Hello, this is Thomas Ian Nicholas. And he's the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Get ready for another episode of On Screen and Beyond, the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This is episode 252 of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this week our guest on On Screen and Beyond is Thomas Ian Nicholas. He was, of course, in Rookie of the Year when he was young, and then he went on to American Pie, American Pie 2, and the American Wedding, American Reunion, and the whole bunch. And he's done a lot of other stuff. He's got a new movie coming out. And actually, it's out right now. You can get it on digital download. And it's called Delivering the Goods. And we're going to be talking about uh, that with Thomas and a whole lot more. So stick around for that. It's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen to Be On. And Oscar night is coming up very shortly. So uh, get ready for that. We'll find out what is the best picture of the year. So that'll be interesting. And uh, let's see. What else? Uh, that's about it. We're going to get right into Remake Madness. It's coming up next right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, rumors are out and about that Disney Pixar is looking to make a remake of the Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin film The Stooge. Only it's going to be an animated version with Roger Rabbit and Mickey Mouse. That'll be an interesting concept, so we'll see if they come through with that. And a reboot, remake, whatever you want to call it, of Spawn is in the works. Uh, I think we've talked about this one before. But, uh, you know, it didn't do very well back in 1997, but we'll see. Maybe they can do a better job with it this time. And a remake of Brandon Fraser's The Mummy is uh, still in the works over at Universal. And they're working with two writers to come up uh, with it on this project. So we'll see what happens with that. And that's it for Remake Madness coming up next on On Screen and Beyond. What's coming away as far as upcoming new movies? Upcoming new movies, well, Birth of the Dragon will be a biopic on the life of Bruce Lee, who, uh, you know, of course, was the karate guy, that kind of guy, and uh, it's a partially fictionalized film, so it's a little bit different. And David O. Russell will direct The Ends of the Earth, and his leading lady will be Jennifer Lawrence, who, of course, they work together on Silver Lining Playbook. Liam Neeson and Ruth Wilson will star in a thriller called A Walk Among the Tombstones. And that is it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we'll take a peek at what's coming away as far as sequels down at Sequel City. Next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, well, Finding Nemo 2 is in the works, and Albert Brooks has signed on to voice the role of Marlin once again. And rumors are flying around with all kinds of theories coming away as far as what's going to happen in the next Star Wars sequel. You know, will Luke return, and will there, uh, you know, will it be all about one of them, or it will be uh, a mixture of them? Uh, we, we just don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, a lot of things are flying around. But there is nothing definite yet that they've released. So we'll keep you updated as soon as we hear. And Night of the Museum 3 is in the works. And uh, they say that they're trying to get it shot for a 2014 December release. 
We'll see if that happens. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen to Beyond, what's coming away as far as TV on DVD? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. TV on DVD. Well, it looks like Dexter, the seventh season, arrives on May 14th. And on May 21st, Laverne and Shirley, season six, will finally skip its way into stores. And on May 7th, Rookie Blue, the third season, will make its way to DVD in a four-disc set. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen or Beyond, what's coming away as far as movies on DVD? <laughs> movies on DVD. Rise of the Guardians will make its way to Blu-ray and on DVD on March 12th. And you can look for Guilt Trip with Seth Rogen and Barbara Streisand to land on DVD and Blu-ray on April 30th. And on April 2nd, you can look for Hemingway and Gellhorn on Blu-ray and DVD starring Nicole Kidman and Clive Owen. That is it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we are going to be having a chat with none other than one of the guys from American Pie, American Pie 2, American Reunion, American Wedding, the whole shebang. Also, he was the kid in King Arthur's Court. He was the Rookie of the Year. And he's coming right here on On Screen and Beyond, so I hope you're going to be sticking around for Thomas Ian Nichols. He's got a new film out. It's called Delivering the Goods. It's a comedy, a lot of fun. Be sure to check it out. It's available now on digital downloads, so uh, you know you can go to iTunes or wherever you'd like to uh, get that. And uh, he's coming up next, Thomas Ian Nicholas, next on On Screen and Beyond. Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor and musician who was the star of Rookie of the Year and a kid in King Arthur's Court. He also was Kevin Myers in American Pie, American Pie 2, American Wedding, and American Reunion. He has a band called the Thomas Nicholas Band, and he currently has a film out called Delivering the Goods, now available on digital outlets. It's Thomas Ian Nicholas. Thomas, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Uh, well, thank you for having me on the show, Brian. Thomas, there's a lot of different venues we can go through here with your career because you, you've got so many things going on and done so much in the past. But uh, let's start off with the uh, the new film, Delivering the Goods. Sure. Uh, that's a, a good place to start. Uh, it's, a, it's a cute little movie um, where I play a, a would-be chef that uh, has the dream of being a chef and sort of has to put his dream on hold and go deliver boxes. Uh, to save up money and go to culinary school because he basically can't get the job as a head chef unless he has a degree, um, which obviously, you know, knowing that, then you have, to, you have to assume that the film takes place on the East Coast because, you know, degrees aren't necessary in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> For anything. <laughs> we don't respect intelligence on this coast. So, so how did you become involved in this film? 
Um, well, I, I, uh, my agency has a few offices, and there's one agent in particular, um, Bill Valork, that works uh, at the New York office of Innovative, and he came across this project and, and you know, sort of got them interested in me, and the director, uh, Matthew uh, Bonifacio, was, uh, uh, he had directed a film called Pound, so I really liked that movie that he had made with, uh, with Carmine Finiglietti. And um, I, I thought, man, this would be a fun one. And I I've, I've worked in New York briefly when I did a film called Please Give, mm-hmm. uh, the Nicole Hollis Center movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, man, this would be great to, uh, to go there. And, you know, it's sort of up my alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve's a nice guy, the character that I play in the film. And, you know, that's sort of... Sort of what I'm mainly known for, having played the nice guy Kevin Myers in four films. Right. <laughs> so, when you look at a project, what is it that you're looking for? Are you looking to see if it's funny or if it's uh, you know dramatic, or are you trying to switch things up, or you know, do you uh, want to be the killer sometimes? Or? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely I, I look for for all of the above, really. Um, and I am changing things up on my next project that uh, it isn't out yet. It won't be out till probably 2014. We're in post-production now. We've got a teaser trailer that is up on YouTube right now that uh, apparently just went viral uh, recently. We, we threw it up there about less than two weeks ago, and it already uh, accumulated 1.3 million views. Wow. Um, which is, uh, you know, in today's day and age, YouTube kind of <laughs> sort of, shows you what people are interested in oh yeah um and so that film i play you know it's a it's a dramatic thriller horror type where i I play a character who suffers a uh loss from a traumatic you know accident and pretty much spends the vast majority of the film kind of depressed so i will not be playing the nice guy (laughs) uh i'll be playing the depressed guy uh but yeah when i look at a project it's you know number one for me, it's always about the character and whether or not the character has depth. Um, so that's an important part. You want to see the layers. Because if it's a, a... I don't really... try not to pick, you know, roles that are one note. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing is the story, whether or not the story is is compelling and it unfolds in a way that, you know, leaves you kind of expecting something and getting what you expect without, you know, kind of knowing what's going to happen from the time you read the first act. Right. Yeah, and uh, and then the, the bigger the other part of it is you know who's involved in making it and and seeing their other work and seeing their style and uh, if I kind of vibe with that. Yeah. Now with delivering the goods, uh, it has a great cast. And um, had you have you ever worked with any of those members of the cast? Um, I'm, I'm running through the the cast. No, I hadn't. Uh, I know you've done a lot, and, and and they've done a lot. And I was I, was, I didn't see any connection there, but like Mike Starr is in it. Yeah, I think there was just degrees of separation um you know with with the cast members obviously having done uh, uh, four films with eugene levy um you know who was on sctv right uh with uh with my mom as yep. it were yeah um so that's sort of that connection and you know i, I think I've, I've probably worked with a load of people that have worked with everyone there but no i hadn't uh, i hadn't worked with anyone uh, on that production before, personally. Yeah. So with this film, it's available now on digital download, correct? Yeah, it's on, you know, like all the, the digital formats, iTunes, iTunes yeah. uh, you know, on demand. Amazon, you know, there's there's Amazon. so many of them out there that, you know, people are members of, but, you know, you can probably 
find it there. I'm sure it went out uh, to a, a slew of them. I'm sure, yeah. And that sort of seems to be the new kind of uh, way. And I know that people are fighting it a lot, um, but hey, you know, people fought uh, cassette tapes over A-track and, you know, CDs over cassettes. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and they fought digital downloads and MP3s over CDs. So, yeah. you know, I, we've, we've watched it all happen with the music industry. I figure... I'll just take a step forward and, you know, do that with uh, with the film side before anyone else is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's like you say, that's the way it's going. It's, it's Eventually, that's the way everything will be. Well, oddly enough, you know, a lot of times, even movie theaters are, um, are doing it that way. Mm-hmm. I've heard of some movie theaters that are just broadcasting the, uh, the film well, in the theater, if you can believe it. Yeah, jeez. Huh. So, you know, even movie theaters sometimes are just digital downloads right yeah now the character you play in uh, delivering the goods uh, you know a wannabe chef and all that uh, you personally are you into cooking or anything like that i mean not in the in the same way that uh, that my character is but i certainly love to cook um you know i've been i've been married for about six years now and uh i always cooked i always enjoyed cooking before but i never really got heavy into recipes until I was married. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my wife had all these great cookbooks from her uncle, these Italian cookbooks. So every once in a while, we'll kind of delve into something. And, um, you know, like if we're going to, especially if we're going to have family in town, we'll sort of practice the recipe a few times, um, see if we like it and see if we can, you know, manage it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got some some sort of go-to dishes, which we've joked about putting together a menu in our house. <laughs> <laughs> so that when we have family visiting, we could literally show them a menu of uh, of dishes that we like to cook. Yeah. Pick what you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like one of my favorite uh, ones that I kind of keep in the freezer at all times, be- just because you know fish is always frozen, even from the time it's caught and brought to the uh, to the land, like mm-hmm. salmon. Yeah. Um, so I keep salmon in the freezer, and I have this uh, honey Dijon encrusted salmon dish with a. Uh, a honey um, demi-glaze that goes on it at the end, sort of a, a, a reduction sauce, as it were, hmm. served with, with rice and peas. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> but, you know, I think Steve Steve goes a little bit beyond right. even my capacity. <laughs> I mean, I had to learn how to pronounce some of the things he was making uh, uh, in the film. Yeah. Is that is that the, the most difficult part of acting, learning the dialogue, whether you're being a chef or a, or, or a doctor or, you know, whatever you're going to be in the film? Is that usually the hardest thing? I think it's learning the trade. The dialogue is, you know, typically easy. I mean, it, I, haven't, I haven't actually done anything where it's, you know, crazy dialogue, like a, I mean, for lack of a better example, like a Shakespeare type of, mm-hmm. you know, intricacy of the actual dialogue and making that your own yeah um but for the most part it's always learning the trade for this film i had to learn how to speak italian uh not like fluently or anything but enough to you know enough to appear that i knew it fluently Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, and that was definitely the challenge for this one in the past i've you know done things where i've learned to play the violin for a role or um you know Learning the trade of the character, if it's important to be, you know, uh, to excel at it, mm-hmm. then, you know, yeah, you, you, can, you can definitely use editing to your advantage, but you've got to have at least one, one or two moments where you really look like you know that trade. Right. 
But you mentioned playing an instrument. Of course, you are musically inclined, so that must have been... I realize learning an instrument is not easy, but you know you have some idea because you are a musician. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely having at the point that I learned violin, which was for Party of Five in like the year two thousand. In the year two thousand, <laughs> uh, I uh, I had been playing guitar already for six years, but the violin was a a massively different instrument. Um, you know, just the, the neck being so much smaller and then obviously using a bow. Right. But it was funny because I did, you know, understand the concept of it and my, you know, my brain could definitely work in those guidelines like, hey, my right hand's strumming and my left hand is making chords. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the guy that was teaching me, he wanted to teach me how to fake it and I was like, I want you to teach me how to play it. <laughs> and then I remember uh, putting resin on my bow and then we did the, the scene, and I actually got, like, a, an applause from the, the, the cast and crew when I actually played the instrument. Hmm. Um, so it was, uh, you know, he was like, really? You, you don't have enough time. I'm like, it's all right. I'll practice at home. Wow. That's, 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 that's pretty good to be able to learn an instrument that fast. Well, you know, that's part of playing a character is to, if you do something that's totally outside of yourself, and it was only one song and maybe a minute of that song. Yeah, but still. <laughs> um, but, you know, repetition is key. Yeah. So if, you're, if, you, if there's ever a part of any part of my character, if it's a, a speech that they give or, you know, learning Ita- or speaking Italian or playing a violin, it's really just about taking the necessary time to just, you know, repeat that action over and over again until it becomes second nature so that when you get there on the day, you know, you can, you right. can bang it out. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in delivering the goods, you played a delivery guy, and uh, you had to wear those shorts. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine that was the toughest part of that, wearing them shorts. You don't see the guys in the shorts. <laughs> right. Especially especially not in New York. Uh, um, yeah, the, the, the outfit was pretty funny. I still have uh, a couple pieces of the outfit um, that they let me keep just because I thought... Uh, Hey, you know, if the film takes off, I could I could dress up like Steve for Halloween or something. <laughs> and then when the uh, well, let's put it this way: when the key comes down, uh, that the, the, they threw out the window for you. <laughs> yes, the X-rated key. <laughs> yes, we'll let people download the movie to to find out what that is. But that was funny. <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, they stood on a ladder, and uh, and it's kind of a quick moment in there. But they stood on a ladder and and dropped it so that it hit me on the head. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I got hit on the head with a head. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, you, you mentioned something about uh, music a couple of times here. Um, can you tell us about your, your band? Sure. Um, I've, been, uh, I've, been, I've been playing music and writing music since I was 14, but I've really only been touring with my band for the past six or seven years. Um, and I'm, I'm working on my fifth album right now. Not a lot of people know about the band. We've never been signed. Uh, but it's definitely something that I'm, you know, really passionate about. And it keeps me busy in the interim of, you know, film projects. Because even in a good year, if I'm doing four films, which is an insanely successful year in my mind, that's still only, you know, four to six months of the year. Mm-hmm. Still got six other months to, you know, twiddle my thumbs and get into trouble. And music <laughs> keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. So, so what what is your main instrument? Uh, mainly guitar, mainly. mainly you know acoustic and electric guitar. Um, I'm the lead vocalist in the band as well. 
so I do probably about 80 shows a year, and half of those, sometimes more, are solo acoustic, you know, just me and my guitar, and then the other half are touring with the band. Yeah, now, um, I, think, I saw on your website you have a show coming, I think it was in March, uh, at the Viper? Yeah, yeah, We for the L.A. shows, we, we typically play um, at the Viper Room. It's kind of my favorite favorite little venue mm-hmm. to uh, to jam at here in town. Is that going to be the, the whole band or just you? It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I only say that because um, recently my lead guitarist, uh, you know, has kind of teamed up in another band. Ah. Uh, so he's got a tour with that band called Dangerous Summer, and they're working on their third album in the studio. So he's in Baltimore. He's not even here. A bass player sometimes tour manages for another band. I think he's gone, and my drummer got a gig. So I'm like wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering what I'm going to do. And I was just like contemplating this last night. I was like, I could either just go solo, and when the curtains open, people will be like, where the hell's the band? Because <laughs> I always play with the band at the Vibe Room. Oh, okay. Um, or, you know, I could... I have, like, other members that used to be in the band that I could call up, so I haven't really decided yeah. uh, what I, what I'm doing for that show. Well, that must be a difficult thing. I mean, you know, because you never know when a movie's going to come up or, or a TV show or something, and, and, you know, all the members of the band, I'm sure they're doing other jobs, too, so it must be difficult to to keep so many things, you know, going. It, uh, it definitely poses a challenge. Um, I've been really lucky... I think the first time I ever had a major uh, crossover in scheduling was um, was this last year, the summer of 2012. I had I had done this tour overseas with Chris Barron from Spin Doctors. Mm-hmm. We had toured in Denmark um, and Germany, and uh, we put together like a little mini tour of like three days in the Midwest just for fun. And then I booked this movie called Ten Cent Pistol that's also in post-production right now with Joe Montana and Jenna Malone. Um, and uh, they were like, I told them about the tour. They're like, no problem. We'll work around it. I was like, great. And then they called back a week later. They're like, yeah, uh, we need you on one of those days, so let us know if you can do the film. And I had to, it was the first time in a while I'd had to choose between, you know, a film and a tour. Yeah. Uh, and I chose the film. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, while it, it sucked to cancel dates that I had scheduled, I could always reschedule, you know, a live show yeah. to another date, but I couldn't really schedule an entire movie shoot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's, that's really the first time. I think in the last, like, six or seven years, I've played 350 shows, I've recorded five albums, I've done a dozen movies, I've got a wife, I've got a kid. You know, somehow I've been able to manage it all. I don't know how. <laughs> Maybe it's the 17 cups of coffee that I'm drinking in a day and the one hour of sleep. But, you know, somehow I'm able to manage it. Wow. Uh, <laughs> you sound busy, that's for sure. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
So, so when do, you said you started playing when you were 14, was it, did you say? Uh, yeah, that's when I started playing music, yeah. yeah. So what made you want to do, start doing that? Because you were acting by that time, right? Yeah, yeah, I started acting when I was uh, six years old. Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, I had been, you know, doing it for a while, and uh, at the time, I was, in, I was in junior high school, and there, it was right around the time that, uh, that Kurt Cobain died. Mm-hmm. And there was this friend of mine, well, not really a friend, there was this sort of cool, weird kid at school um, who was in a band, and he did like a week of silence after uh, Kurt Cobain died. Uh-huh. And he got in so much trouble at school. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, like, at first it was really weird. And, you know, this is a guy who was, like, practically, like, failing. He was, you know, he was like a pot smoker. But he was just like, it just made him cooler. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I just remember thinking, like, wow, that's really crazy. Like, I listen to Nirvana. I like Nirvana, but, you know, I don't side with it like that. But I knew he played. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then I sort of, you know, started playing music. I picked up a guitar. Another friend of mine was doing it. And I, when I started creating music, I understood that it was something bigger than all of us and something that you could stand for and do a week of silence even if you're getting sent to the principal's office every day. <laughs> um, and I thought that was just cool. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, when I started into it, you know, the discovery and, and you know, learning the technique was, it was just something that was really uh, interesting to me. And I, I remember the first two years, I must have played guitar like three hours every single day. Jeez. I certainly don't have the time to do that anymore. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Now, as far as your acting, the uh, Rookie of the Year was probably one of your, your first big films, correct? Um, yeah, yeah, that was the first time I had yeah. played you... a, a lead in a, a feature film. Yeah. How did you get that part? Um, I auditioned. Uh, I mean, at the time, when I was that age, there was, I mean, I was probably going on, I don't even know, uh, maybe six to ten auditions a week. Wow. Um this is a different time. There was, you know, a lot of projects being made. But uh, they had a hard time finding the person for that role, and they held auditions in New York and Chicago and L.A. And oddly enough, um, I auditioned for it, didn't get a call back, and then I was in the process of switching agents. And the new agent called me and said, hey, I got this appointment for you for Rookie of the Year. And I said, oh, well, I've already auditioned for that, so... You know, and she goes, well, they obviously don't remember you, so go again. So I went again, and that's when I got the call back. Hmm, that's weird. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Jeez. So, so that's any time you get called back doesn't make any difference, right? Just go. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Jeez. It's one of those weird things where you're like, man, the the set of circumstances that puts you in the position for for a great opportunity. It's always a really, for me, it's always been really random like that. Yeah. Now, American Pie, how did that come about? Did you have to audition for that, or did, uh, at that point, they people knew who you were and they were calling you? No, no, I auditioned as well, because that was the film that kind of transitioned me from being a, a child actor right. into being a young adult actor. Yeah. Um, which is almost like two different careers to a degree. Yeah, because, I mean, I mean, let's face it, you know, Rookie of the Year is a lot different than American Pie was. Yeah. <laughs> No doubt. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I remember at that time, my agent sent me the script, 
um, which it was titled, uh, the, the title of the script on the front page was Untitled Teenage Sex Comedy That You Can Make for Under $10 Million <laughs> That uh, Studios Will Hate But Audiences Will Love. <laughs> and um, I read the first page, which was Kevin and Vicky in a bedroom and... Kevin was getting instructions from Vicky on how to use his hand. Um, and I literally picked up the script, tossed it in the trash, called my agent, said, why are you sending me teenage pornography? No thanks. <laughs> and uh, about a week later, my agent called and, you know, said, they're, they're really interested in seeing you and, you know, just do me a favor, just read the whole script. The, you know, people are really liking this project. And I was like, all right, well, I can't really get mad at, like, just you asking me to read the whole script. Yeah. So I read the whole script, and, of course, once I got past that first scene and realized that the heart that the movie possessed, uh, you know, I, of course, wanted to go in. Yeah. So another opportunity that I almost missed for various reasons. Yeah. Now, has, has there ever been a role that you didn't take and now wish you had? Something that um, everybody would know, you know? There, there are roles that I really wanted that I didn't land. Mm-hmm. Um, that I feel like, like, oh, my, my career could have taken a different path. But then again, who really knows? Right. You know, if, if, those, if those jobs had happened, um, who knows if my career would have continued forward. Yeah. You know, that may, that may have been the end of it. Sort of like, uh, you know... If you got like a, a a maze book, you know, you'd be like, well, if I had only gone left, but yeah, how do you know that wasn't a dead end? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think everyone's got their own path, and as much of it, I've I really, you know, look, it's still a bummer when you when you you try to chase a role down, whether you're auditioning for it, testing for it, or trying to you know get them to consider you to just hire you, whatever it is. You know, there's, you still put your heart into that, and there's disappointment when you don't get oh, it. Yeah. But there's also a part of me that knows that it, it I kind of all happened for a reason, and that the only way to really, you know, not propel forward is to just give up. Yeah. So I just try not to give up, yeah. <laughs> regardless well, of what I get. Yeah. With with American Pie, uh, like you said, it's a lot different than uh, the, kid, the kid in King Arthur's Court. Did, did people say to you and recognize you in American Pie and say, yeah, that's the rookie of the year, or the kid in King Arthur's Court, did anybody? <laughs> you know, it, it literally, I mean, seldomly they did. Really? Because I don't, you know, when I saw the movie, it was like, I don't know who that is, you know, but well, it's funny. But, you know, I, of course I saw you in Rookie of the Year and the kid in King Arthur's Court, and, you know, I, I should have made the connection, but I didn't. because. Well, it's one of those things where, where a random few would, but it literally took about ten years for it to be a little bit more common knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's partly due to the Rookie of the Year kind of living on on, you know, cable right. <laughs> like it does. Because yeah. that thing plays all the time. Uh, and then also, you know, social networking. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, you know, technology has kind of bridged the gap between, like, like if you look at films from... 10, 15, 20 years ago, you almost never knew they were doing a remake. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the amount of research that you would have to do to find that information was insurmountable. Right. So, you know, like, uh, like 
and like being Rookie of the Year was a remake. It was <laughs> exactly. See, see, that's the thing. <laughs> we we sit here now and we go, oh, they're, all they do is make remakes and sequels. That's right. <laughs> and I even say that, and then I realize, like, wait a second, they did before. We just didn't know it. Right. Yeah. So it felt different. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Rookie of the Year, and I only know this because. Uh, I signed with a manager for a short time who was in the original. It was called Rookie's Bump. Hmm. And it was about a kid who played on the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1954 who uh, developed a weird bump on his arm, and it gave him the ability to uh, throw either a fastball or a ball that you know was so squirmy that guys couldn't hit. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. <laughs> Learn something new every day. But, yeah, yeah that's, that's, I think technology kind of bridged that gap because now when someone does a remake – the information's out there. It's tweeted, retweeted, Facebooked, right. and you know now all of a sudden it's viral and everybody knows it. And you can't you can't sort of get anything by anyone anymore. Yeah. But what, but you know the other thing is, uh, like I say, you know, Rookie of the Year and American Pie is so different. But you, as an actor, being the two different characters, I think that says a lot about your acting ability because you know people didn't get automatically thrown into Rookie of the Year. You know, oh no, look, it's the Rookie of the Year. Because you did such a good job being that character in American Pie. Well, thank you. Well, that's definitely my my goal. You know, some of my favorite actors are you know character character actors, character leads. You know, like uh, like Daniel Day Lewis or Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, even even someone uh, a bit more of the on the on the uh, the forefront of of the, the of popular is Johnny Depp. But but all of these people really embody the characters that they play so mm-hmm. much so that that outside of them you know being quote unquote so famous that they are known for that right but even Gary Oldman does it sometimes where you're like I can't believe that was him yeah it's true yeah you know you have to look at his IMDb page just to confirm it right yeah because yeah. you look at a thing and you're like is that Gary Oldman I'm <laughs> I, I think it is. No, it can't be. And then you're like on your phone, you know, like, is it him? It's, oh, my gosh, it's him. So that's always been my goal is to to sort of accomplish that. And I, I'm sort of thankful that to a degree I don't have the notoriety that those people have because it makes my job of embodying a character that much easier. Mm-hmm. Now, was it hard? Well, I shouldn't say it was it hard. Was it, was it fun getting back together for all the American Pie, American Wedding, American Reunion movies? Oh, yeah. Each one was, was subsequently more fun than the previous one because, you know, the first time we were all just kids and happy to have a job, and <laughs> we certainly didn't know it was going to be, you know, the success that it turned out to be. Um, so, you know, we weren't, we were, we were very focused, and, and not to say we weren't focused in the thing, but it's a different, it's a different sort of mentality when you know something was well-received and you just you want to make sure that it's good, but then there's also the relationships. Mm-hmm. As we know each other better, we hung out more, you know, offset, and you know, just have a, a, a greater history with one another. Yeah. And then you know, cut to American Reunion, you know, 13 years later from the first one, and the first time we shot on location, we were just hanging out, you know, every every day off because none of us were in Los Angeles. Yeah. So, you know, it was like we just had each other to hang out with and have fun on our days off. Of course, we see the movies. They're crazy. They're, you know, just a, just a lot of fun. Is it, was it similar off, off set? Did you, did you guys, you know, did you guys have a good time and hustle around? Or, or oh, yeah, it? yeah. No, there's always 
crazy antics. I mean, everyone's a, you know a little bit different than their their on screen character. Right. Yeah. Some are a lot different. Um, and yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's either just a good hang or someone's doing something and you're you know laughing your ass off or you know whatever it is. Yeah. But it's it's always a good time. Yeah. And like I said, each film was more fun to make because of that. Any more coming along the way? Have you heard of or anything? Uh, any more American Pie? Yeah. Uh, you know, when we finished that film, before it was released, uh, you know, the studio was so excited, and um, I think that John and Hayden, uh, that directed and wrote this latest sequel, uh, had some ideas that I was imploring them to tell me uh, what, their, what their concept was if we revisited uh, the cast again. Uh, I couldn't ever get them to do it. I know that the, the studio... Um, you know, hired them, or like did like a, a a deal with them. I remember reading about it in the trades, and I thought, oh, well, you know, they're going to get, they're going to write another one. Yeah. And then I just haven't heard anything. Yeah. So mm. I don't really know. I mean, I remember when American Reunion. I mean, that thing was in the rumor mill for probably three years right. before it came to fruition. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there was that moment where I thought, oh, they're just going to roll right into the next one, and then. I didn't hear anything, so it's not outside the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because who who would have thought seriously <laughs> that I would have done a job, you know, one time for three months back when I was 18 years old yeah. that would have turned into a franchise film of four pictures, and, and I never thought that we were going to do an American reunion. Right. When we finished the third one, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, anything's yeah. possible, but yeah, there's nothing nothing official yet. Yeah. What do you have in the works that's going to be coming our way? Anything you can tell us about? Well, we, we've kind of touched on uh, yeah. on, on those projects. Um, the first one is, uh, well, there's there's the, I'm not sure which one will come out first, but there's the Lost, or the Tencent Pistol mm-hmm. that I um, that I play, uh, Joe Montaigne's son, yeah. uh, that also stars Jenna Malone. And that one's in post-production, I think think that they're aiming to premiere at Tribeca, ah. uh, but I'm not sure. I don't know the, you know, there's nothing official about that. And then uh, the other film is one that I produced and starred in called The Lost Tree, which, like I said, you can see the teaser trailer on YouTube. Um, we'll probably be releasing another uh, teaser trailer of sorts in the next month or so, and that film stars... Uh, Lacey Chabert, Scott Grimes, Claire Kramer, and Michael Madsen. So I play, Michael Madsen plays my dad in this one. Oh, okay. Um, and so it's sort of a different role for him. And like I said, the film is a, a revisit to my dramatic roots, um, which one thing I didn't touch on was, you know, you mentioned all these comedies that I'm sort of known for and, you know, delivering the goods. My latest film is that's out now is, you know, again, a, a cute sort of, you know, comedy of sorts. Yeah. Um, but when I started acting, drama was my forte. Uh, back when I was a kid, it was sort of like why I got into it and what I excelled at in the beginning of going to acting school, which I did for 10 years. And I remember about a year or two into it, my acting coach was like, look, you got the drama thing. It's, it's, it's in your nature. It's innate. But you're only as strong as your weakest link, so let's work on your comedy skills, and it will only improve your dramatic ones. Mm-hmm. And cut to me doing a slew of comedies. So The Lost Tree is my my long overdue revisit to the truly dramatic because 
unlike some other films, even like Please Give, that's, you know, more on the dramatic side, there's still some, some flavor in there. This one is straight-up drama. Yeah. There's, there's no laughing moments. Not at all. <laughs> now, being the producer, do you enjoy wearing that extra hat? I do. You know, I, I, I do for a number of reasons. Um, the first and foremost is I love to work. And uh, producing projects is a way for me to make something happen as opposed to waiting or vying for the next job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I do also love the extra challenge of, uh, you know, being on set and instead of, you know, resting in my trailer and playing guitar or video games, I'm, as a producer, I'm on set with responsibilities when I'm not in the scene. Yeah. Now, do you tend to, uh, like you say, with American Pie, you guys, you hust around and things like that. Uh, being the producer, do you then look at people and say, don't do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, you no, know, no. I mean, as long as, as long as we're making our day and, and getting good stuff on, on film, then, you know, I don't really have those kind of rules and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's also, I think it becomes like a lead by example. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I worked with a lot of people on the lost tree that I've worked with in the past, uh, namely, you know, Lacey Chabert. We did, uh, you know, a run of, I was on nine episodes of Party of Five. That's when I learned to play the violin. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lacey, you know, told me, she's like, wow, it's, it's really crazy to see you, like, wearing, you know, both side, both hats as the producer and the actor, and it's not, you know, your scene isn't suffering because of it, and, you know, it's really cool, and I don't know. Uh, and then Scott Grimes you know, his mom helped me get my first agent when I was six years old. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't I think I've just tangented myself, but, but anyway, I'm really excited about that film, uh, and I do love producing and acting in projects. That's great. Now, final two questions, taking us away from all your music and your movies and everything else. Um, favorite TV shows of all time and favorite movies of all time? We'll start with the movies. Uh, Shawshank Redemption, hands down, is my favorite film of all time. Good movie, yeah. Um, and then as far as a favorite TV show, uh, there's so many different styles. I guess if I had to go... We can give a couple. That, you know, just a, a, a Yeah, well, I think, I think if I had to go single cam versus multicam, that's how i got to sort okay. of separate it. And then there's dramatic versus comedy... Uh, for TV, I kind of I kind of appreciate the, the you know a little bit of levity because um, I don't think I could watch. I mean, I love the Shawshank Redemption, but I don't think I could watch it every single night. Right. <laughs> Although I have seen, I did see the film seven times in the theaters wow. when it came out <laughs> in '96, I think it was or '97. '96. Hmm. Uh, um, I only remember because I was driving, <laughs> and, <that's, laughs> and I could get myself to the theater. Uh, but I. Uh, Favorite TV shows of all time, man. You know, I'll, I'll go a little bit more current. Um, I'm I'm really digging Modern Family. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I I love the fact that that it's a, a total spinoff of reality TV. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the the sort of the setting of it. Right. And yeah. I, I I love sort of the I don't know as an actor I love sort of flipping the bird to reality television. <laughs> Like basically saying, yeah, we could do that too, but watch how good we can do it. Right. <laughs> you know, because then we can still tell a story in an interesting way and 
have a you know uh, a legitimate moral lesson at the end, which is some of my you know favorite kind of television. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is no moral lesson at the end of any reality television show. Right. <laughs> Except there's a lot of crabby people out there. <laughs> oh. So I'll, I'll just stick with that one actually because that's uh, that's definitely definitely the thing I look forward to every week. Yeah. All right. Well, Thomas, I want to thank you for joining us and also remind people that uh, Delivering the Goods is available right now. It's on all the digital outlets, so they can go and check out the film. And uh, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, Brian, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. A big shout-out to Thomas Ian Nicholas for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Loved his films, American Pies and all of those. And uh, I really enjoyed his family movies when he was young, doing uh, Rookie of the Year and The Kid in King Arthur's Court. Always enjoyed watching those films. And, uh, of course, you can see him all the time uh, on DVD or, you know, any of the... The different things that you can get your movies on. It's uh, always available, and you can buy them if you want. Uh, and in fact, if you're going to buy something, go to onscreenandbeyond.com, click on uh, one of our sponsors. It'll take you to their site, and you can do your shopping there, and you can uh, help support the show. So we'd appreciate that. And so, Thomas, I want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. And uh, it's a lot of fun talking with him. Nice guy. So... Let's see. i to remind you, too, that if you're on Facebook, be sure to like us. We love to have more people, uh, you know, uh, on there. I, I don't really, uh, i got to admit, I don't put a lot of things up there. And uh, I should put more things, and we're going to try to get better at that and get more things up on Facebook so we can keep in touch with you. And uh, don't be afraid to email us if you'd like to. If you want to talk to me, send it to feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Uh, or if you want, just go to onscreenandbeyond.com, scroll down a little bit. You'll see where we got the, the links and all that stuff. So uh, love hearing from you, and it's a lot of fun to communicate with you. So if you want to do that, uh, we'd enjoy it. And let's see, what else we got here? That's about it. We got a great guest uh, coming up next week, of course. And uh, like I told you last week, we have uh, a a living legend a living comedic legend coming here to On Screen and Beyond. And uh, we are so excited about this. Uh, if everything goes right, of course, you know, if everything, uh, you know, somebody doesn't get sick or something like that, uh, we will be having that person on. And uh, we just have a great lineup coming up in the, the next couple of months. So I hope you're going to stick around. If you have a suggestion, be sure to email it to me at feedback at com. You never know who will get here. And uh, we uh, always like to try to get those people. So, uh, Hope you'll do that. So that's about a wrap for this week. And uh, until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care.